Hello, and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by HelloFresh. I'm Simone de Rochefort, supervising video producer at Polygon, and I'm here with Christina Warren, senior developer advocate at GitHub, and Brianna Wu, executive director at Rebellion Pack. Welcome to another exciting show that's going to start with an update about something that happened after we finished recording last week. <laughs> womp womp. We got rocket ruled for rocket booster. Like this, this, <laughs> this is a first. Like, like I mean, we've been rocket ruled many, many times. That's kind of our, our MO. But we were rocket ruled on a booster segment. So on last week's Rocket Booster, uh, we talked about the New York Times protesting the gag order on Sam Bankman-Fried and how SBF was making thousands and thousands of calls to reporters and giving them access to beautiful documents and yet never once calling us here at Rocket. <laughs> and now our chance now we, will never now we can't. come. Now we can't. We can't. The judge uh, has accused Sam Bankman-Fried of trying to influence witnesses and has sent him to jail oh that's so it's so surprising because he's shown so much judgment throughout Mm. this entire thing i'm really surprised although i have to say i'm in this weird position where i kind of am on his side a little bit because like it was a shared google doc i understand Mm. that it makes the prosecution look bad the government look bad because it's her writings but it was a shared document so he had access to it. Why should he not be able to give access to anyone else? This like they don't they don't own it. You know what I mean? Like I I, I hear you, and, and correct me if I'm wrong because uh, yeah, this is just a quick update. I didn't deeply study this, but isn't the allegation like witness tampering of him reaching out and texting a whole bunch of people and then not following the judge's orders on that? Or am I mistaken about that? No, I think it was a number of things. I think it was that. And then it was also the fact that because the, the New York Times had been part of this, um, was was leaking the documents. And they're saying that that was, was showing that he was impeding the, you know, the investigation or, or whatever um, with that. Like, I'm sure there were many valid reasons to revoke his bail. I'm just saying, I think that the the shared documents that that Caroline Ellison uh, chose to keep in a shared document mm-hmm. with the guy she's writing about that was just poor choices all the way around. And I don't know, <laughs> should have like revoked gov- his uh, share access on the, that. <laughs> the, this is what I'm saying. Like the government had it right there. Like they could have done it. Like I'm just saying. So you know. Yeah, well, he uh, his lawyer is going to appeal, but in the meantime, he'll be kicking his heels at the Metropolitan Detention Center in Brooklyn. So maybe there's still a shot. Maybe, maybe we can, um, wh- wh- oh God, what's the, I shouldn't make a joke about the, uh, Wu-Tang album guy, but we could get in there. Martin Screlly. Ladies, yeah. we can, get, we can, can make sure, a joke we about, can no, this. You're right, Simone. Martin Screlly is off limits on this show. He has suffered enough. The pure heart of Martin Screlly, who once again went after me again publicly last week. Oh, when, did he? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, dear. It's like, oh, my God. All right. Well, that is our update on Sam Bakeman Freed. Uh, we'll continue to cover this story because, frankly, uh, I find it delightful um, the 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 whole the drama of it all and just the ridiculousness of the fact that he is incapable of shutting up delights me. I love me. it so much. Yeah, I love it. Call the us. rest of the call, show. Call oh, us, go on. SBF, please. Call, yeah, I was just please say, call. Call us. We want to. We won't tell prison. anyone. <laughs> I will go visit you in prison. I, I'll visit you in prison. Also, I will. I will take the collect phone call. I will. I will accept the charges. I. You can call us from jail. That is fine. All right, everyone, say your phone number really quick. 
<laughs> All right. Stay tuned for the rest of the show. We are going to be talking uh, about a, uh, a a development in the hardware YouTubing community, oh an God. ongoing drama about review ethics surrounding Linus tech tips. Later in the show, we'll be reflecting on the iMac turning 25 years old. Woo-hoo. Q screaming. We need to scream for like a, a good solid minute thinking about those numbers. And for mm. dessert today, we will be talking about a class action lawsuit against HP printers. Our subscribers, our beloved boosties who get an ad-free show and a bonus segment every week, are going to hear us discuss Carly Kloss's appearance <gasps> at the final uh, oh. a- a stage of the Eras Tour. Best friends reunited? Or not so much. Stay tuned for that bonus segment. And if you want to learn more about how you can get access to bonus segments where we discuss things from Carly Kloss to the New York Times uh, protesting Sam Bankman-Fried's gag order, you can go to relay.fm slash membership and learn how you can get access to these things. It's super fun. We have a great time recording it every week. And now let's get into our show. Linus Media Group has paused production on its YouTube videos for a week after another competitor channel, Gamers Nexus, brought forth ethical ethical concerns about how Linus Tech Tips conducted reviews and handled products. Uh, so Linus Tech Tips is a PC hardware review channel with 15.6 million subscribers, according to a PC Gamer story from August 16th. It was started by YouTuber Linus Sebastian and is part of Sebastian's Linus Media Group, which manages Tech Tips and several other YouTube channels. Notably, unrelated to this incident, Sebastian stepped down from the company's CEO role in July to take a more uh, free-ranging and vague chief vision officer role, which is, I think, what every person who founds a company uh, uh, strives to uh, to take at one day. Um, his wife, Yvonne Ho, is still the CFO. So this particular incident was incited by a review that Linus Tech Tips did of a cooling block prototype from Billet Labs. Uh, the review was run on the wrong GPU. They ran it on a 4090 instead of a 3090. Um, and after like a, a, it was a, it was it performed poorly. Um, and then they auctioned the block off in what LTT says was a miscommunication uh, rather than returning it to Billet Labs, who was like, hey, our, our, can we have prototype? All right, that was our prototype. We'll build another one, I guess. We're mad, though. Uh, Billet Labs is upset. They're demanding the cost of the block be reimbursed, uh, which LTT says it is handling separately. Uh, CFO Yvonne Ho put out a statement saying that she agrees with why the community is upset and that the week-long pause will be used to overhaul the company's review practices. That is my top level summary. I, I, okay. So thank you for that summary. It is so much more than that. Like that is the, that is a sprinkle on a giant, like, like gallon of ice cream as far as the issues that are going on We're starting here. from the cherry on top. Um, so, <laughs> take me so, down. Uh, well, no, no, I, I don't want to take you down. It's like No, I mean down into the ice cream itself. Sure. Okay, great. Let's go eat some ice cream together. Uh, and by the way, thank you, Brad, uh, who reached out to Christina and I on Mastodon to let us know this. Uh, I have probably never studied for any rocket topic in <laughs> history as much as this video, as this topic, because the videos are so delightful. So um, this all starts 
started when Gamer Nexus, uh, Gamers Nexus, uh, which is a fantastic channel that I um, lean on for kind of figuring out PC builds and like upgrade uh, hardware components, like what's good and what's not. Uh, just a really, really excellent channel uh, for that. Um, so they came out with a video, a really in-depth 50-minute uh, video really going through some of their problems with uh, Linus Media Group, which does have over 100 employees, and really going through some things that they thought were real problems that they've kind of been sitting on for years. Uh, to kind of just summarize them, um, you know, Linus Media Group puts out about a video a day, in my they experience. They put out 25 videos a week um, yeah. across the, all of their channels. So they have okay, the Linus Tech Tips, uh, Tech Quickie, sure. Mac Address. They have a bunch of them, but it's 25 a week, which is okay. a huge. That's huge even more than I see in my feed. That's crazy. Um, so they, they have a really aggressive upload schedule, right? And they released a video a while back uh, from their employees talking about how if they could change anything at the company, like just openly talking about what the culture was like to work there. All of them, all of them, all of them said the upload schedule was too aggressive. This ties into Gamers Nexus's video because he was really talking out some problems with uh, the ethics in this upload schedule, where factual errors seem to keep coming through um, and they either don't correct it or leave it up while millions mm. of people watch the video and don't take it down. And then sometimes they do these really, really lazy, uh, just like t- typing some text in the video. Uh, you know, when there's erroneous information being spoken. Um, so that was one set of things. There were some other allegations brought up as far as um, cozy relationships with sponsors and that making it not very clear about where uh, LMG's alignments, uh, you know, where basically you could trust them. That broke both ways. And then it got into really two specific things that are the focus of what people are talking about. But I just want to be clear, the thrust of all of this is a broken video process that's allowing a lot of erroneous data to get into that. Yeah. Um, yeah, go I, ahead, I, I would go yeah. further because like I, I, you know, have helped build um, media companies. So I, I feel like I, I understand like that how these things happen um, because I've gone from a company that was nine people to 300 people and had a role in that. Like it's not just broken video processes. This is just, this is broken editorial workflows. This yep. is, this is, um, this is what happens when you scale, when you mm. go from being a smaller channel to being a hundred plus people and trying to do more and taking more on these are the challenges that you're up against. A hundred percent. So that's one set of it. And then most of the commentary has gone into two specific claims that Gamers Nexus made at the end of the video. One of which is a, uh, a mouse that they went in and they just blasted this product because it's out there as like the mouse with the lowest uh, friction coefficient of any mouse out there. Right. And the guy's like making fun of it on camera. Oh, this thing sucks. And it turns out he did not take the protective film off the bottom of the mouse. <laughs> and his uh, Gamers Nexus's uh, specific uh, objection here was uh, they left the video up 
and they did not um, they just did not hurt it in the algorithm. They eventually just trimmed that part out of it, which is a function that LMG has access to that a lot of smaller creators do. But they did that after the damage was done and after you know this many people got that impression, right? Where that video should have been pulled uh, from the start. The the thing that most people are talking about with this uh, is the cooler block incident that you alluded to at the beginning. So this uh, company called Billet Labs uh, produced this cooling block. It's aluminum, looks really, really cool, but it's built uh, to fit on only certain GPUs. Uh, uh, LMG did not have the correct GPU in stock, so they said, we would like to test it on 4090. Uh, Billet was like, uh, okay, you can try. And Linus uh, basically put it um, on there. It was like a millimeter off. It did not make proper contact. And he was like, this thing sucks. It's garbage. Nobody should buy it. People called it on him later, like, maybe you should try and test this on a GPU where it fits on. He's, mm. And there's this terrible clip of him out there going, what? I cannot in good conscience assign someone and spend two, three, four, five hundred $500 of this company's time and money having them retest this? No, I'm just not going to do that. Uh, then after that, Billet Labs wanted their prototype back. LMG did not do that. It actually ended up in a charity auction where like they were buying it and that like their prototype, like while they're trying to develop a gen two, they don't have access to this prototype yeah. that they need. Awful. And LMG is just not being open with them. Uh, and just the final thing, cause I realized I've talked way too much. Um, after this video from gamers nexus came out, Linus, put the most immature, defensive, garbage uh, response out that's just a page of childish, immature... Um, I, I don't know what else to call it. It is... It is not a surprise. Like, I like Linus Tech Tips a lot. I watch a lot of their stuff. But it's not a surprise that this company is when this is the culture coming from the top. So that's kind of the, the whole situation there. Yeah, I mean, to second what Christina was saying earlier, it just, I, the YouTube, the YouTube uploading schedule that people are encouraged to keep is so brutal. And I think you get into very weird and untenable situations when you yeah. have a company like this that, you know, is no longer an independent operation. It is a legit company um, with, uh, as you said, Bree, like 100 employees, um, many channels, et cetera, et cetera. And to try to like play the the independent YouTuber game of doing just a crap ton of videos when you're doing something as hardcore as like reviewing PC hardware, as in intensive and time consuming, it just seems like it's untenable and it's kind of i mean it's surprising it sounds like this has been building for a long time but it's surprising yeah. to me that it has taken i guess as long as it has for for something to blow up like this yeah i have I've a, I have a lot of thoughts about this i mean i think that obviously the um the billet lab situation is is egregious and as um everybody uh because linus um, media group did release a, a video this week as as simone noted at the top of the story Finally responding to these claims, the initial post on their forum did not go over well. As, as Bree said, it was not a good response. 
And, and then they followed up this morning as we're recording this, this is Wednesday, with a video um, going more in depth about some of the things that are going to be changing. And I thought that, I actually thought that video was a good response. Um, we should note here, we're not going to talk about the allegations that have been made by a former employee that are very serious about the company, against the company. Those are going to be investigated, the company has said, but I don't want to conflate what's happening with those allegations, which are very serious and, and deserve attention with like what this topic is, which is, is frankly, you know, drama. Um, I, I don't want to conflate the two. But the the thing is, is no, I thought that their statement, uh, their video today was good, but having mm. built, have, I, I did. I, well, you, you can disagree with that. That's fine. Mm. I, thought their, I thought their statement was good. The thing is, I know what it's like to go from where they were to the size that they are now. Um, and, you know, uh, uh, Linus stepped down as a CEO. This is unrelated. They brought in a, a new guy. They apparently had an offer to buy them for $100 million, um, which they turned down. So, you know, that's that sort of valuation, uh, which again, when I've worked in a media company where we had, you know, we had an offer for $250 million, did not sell. That was a mistake on our part. Um, I know what it's like to, when, when you go from being smaller and being agile to then having to adopt new processes and workflows and that's challenging. That's the hardest thing for a startup is when you're kind of in this middle area, when you're being a real company. And I don't envy the position they are in at all. But at the same time, you know, when these sorts of things fall down, they become really, really apparent. Um, that said, like, it, it's there's many, many, many things to criticize. I do feel like, you know, Gamers Nexus, ooh, I really respect Steve's work and I really like the things that they do. They don't. They're not on the same scale as Linus Tech Tips, and so it, it's a it's a little bit weird to me. Like some of the criticism, which again is fair, it's kind of like I I know how these mistakes happen. I'm not making excuses for it, but I know how these mistakes happen, and I also know the pressure that they have to get these mm-hmm. many videos out because they have contracts with advertisers. They yeah. have you know payroll they have to make. Like this is not just a, a lifestyle business. This is literally a company that has you know a ton of people relying on them every month, and they have lots of bills to pay and when you're trying to get your processes in check, these are things that fall down. And and um, what happened with Billet Labs, to me, the most egregious thing was that they found out on camera while they were recording that they didn't have the right GPU pulled. At that moment, <sighs> you should stop production on the video and yeah. you should grab the right card. And if you don't have it, then you should do something else. The reason they didn't, and I know this is what happened because I've been in these situations before, they didn't have time. In their mind, they only had a certain amount of time blocked for the for the record and they needed to get it edited and go out and do other things. I understand that, but that's not the right move. You know, if the somebody pulled the wrong card um, from you know the inventory and it's not available, you know that sucks. But you need to stop. You need to stop production on the video and and go forward. Like there, some some of the claims I think that Steve was nitpicking a little bit, um, and I, I I don't know how relevant any of that is, but. The Billet Labs thing is absolutely indefensible, like from top to bottom. The whole thing is just really, really poor. So uh, I, I want to come back to something you said. Um, the video as a whole, the <coughs> so the video that they eventually put out to um, to to really address substantively uh, the Gamers Nexus claims 
overall was great, right? And I was so struck with the tone of it, right? Because you've got the CEO that comes out and talks about, you know, his experience with corporate processes, right? Like his background, he geeks out about like how guys start about overclocking celerons, right? And then you've got, you know, their CFO talking about how like some really frankly frank criticism of Linus and how they got into this situation um, and giving a lot of insight with statements like, um, you know, I think a lot of our problems is you know, due to the fact that uh, we're trying to do too many things, right? Yeah. Rather, we're, we're not Absolutely. in survival mode anymore. And then you've got their labs tech com- that comes on and in a very mature forthright way, I think says, you know, I don't agree with every single one of the criticisms uh, the Gamers Nexus made uh, of, of my um, of my labs. But mm-hmm. here's what's right. Here's what we're going to do to get it better. All of that is great, great, great. And it's just person after person at the company coming forward, just great statements, mature, mm-hmm. taking it seriously, earning trust. And then the train wreck that is 15 minutes in is when Linus comes on. And again, I like Linus. I like his content. I watch it all the time. But he comes on and it's this immature, like, oh, it's so hard for people to be going after me. It is so hard when people take me out of context. I wasn't trying to argue that you know, they were trying to sell this uh, and that instead auction it. I wasn't playing semantic games. I was just trying to make sure we have all the right information. And it's like, and just getting real with y'all. Like, look, I am a woman with a professional career. Criticism is just part of the job. I read the forums, what people are saying about Linus. It's par for the course of being a public figure. Didn't involve any rape, death threats, anything like that that I could see. They were memeing on. Right. And the fact that he is getting this bent out of shape over what is eminently fair criticism is just it's a failure of leadership. And again, it's, it's not a mistake to me. It's not surprising to me at all why this company is failing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, th- I, th- I think that failing is, is not a correct uh, characterization. Um, uh, struggling, having some going through some growing pains, I think would be more accurate. But I, I, I don't think they're failing at all. They're doing very well financially, um, so it appears. They're failing you know, they have a, they, They're failing Well, Well, sure. that, that's fine, but, but they're not a failing company. They're, they're going through some growing pains. I mean... That's, you know what I'm saying, Christina. <laughs> I disagree with that characterization. Okay. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, I think that definitely there's things coming down from the top. It's difficult, right? I've also, I also again, worked at a company where our CEO, um, and I know Linus is no longer the CEO, but he is the owner of the company. He and um, Yovana's wife own all of it. And don't forget um, you know, Chief Vision Officer. Yes, Chief Vision Officer. What a, what a title. Um, you know, but when I know what it's like to have somebody be the face of the company, that's really tough, right? Like Pete was our avatar for mm. our brand. When we changed our Twitter avatar from Pete's face to the Mashable M, like that was a big moment. Like news people wrote about it. Like I think the New York Times might have written about it. David Carr, the late David Carr, I think, did. You know, I know what it's like when that, when your brand is so intrinsically tied to your founder, that's a really hard position, both for the founder and for the people working under you. And I I don't envy the position they're in. I hope they can do better. Um, certainly the initial response was not good. I'm, I'm hopeful. Like, I think they did the right thing by 
shutting down production for a week. I hope that they can get better things in place. But having been there, I can say it'll take more than a week for, for things to get ironed out, you know, because this is a failure on a lot of levels. Like, yeah. just like looking at it, I was like, oh, man, I would do so many things differently now that I've gone through it, you know, like having better inventory management systems, having better check flows for going for, for putting up videos. And I know that the constraints that are under, uh, when we had to do Snapchat Discover, I didn't do that team, but I, I had to oversee that from time to time. Like we had an entire separate production workflow separate from our editorial thing where we had, you know, to take editorial stories or sometimes create new ones and put out, you know, like five, six, seven pieces of content a week that were ridiculously you know, time constraints to get out. And I I look at like their schedule of 25 a week and I'm like, there's a certain point where adding more people does not solve the problem. Um, that, that's a, known as the mythical man month uh, from Fred Brooks. And no matter, this is not a problem that we solve by them adding more people. This is a problem that they have to solve with process, um, you know, refinements. Yeah, because I think part of the problem, as you identified, is like if your employees come across an issue in the workflow and then don't feel able to stop and reassess because yep. like when I, I totally understand that instinct um, on their part, because when you're in the middle of it and you're like, well, crap, I have to do something that mindset can become so ingrained and you're not able to stop and take a step back and say like, OK, can we not publish can we do something in can we publish something different like what can we do to not do this rather than just can what can we do to make this go ahead what can we do to make this continue um when sometimes it's just not feasible so yeah definitely i also agree that a week is uh not enough time especially if you're doing 25 videos a week what part of the workflow are you gonna get through re re, uh reassessing in a in a week (laughs) Yeah, I was going to ask you, Simone, since since you're like, you know, um, a senior video producer and at Polygon, I don't know, how many pieces of, of content do you guys make a week? Uh, we publish a YouTube video every other week. And I was so there are uh, four of us making, okay, actually, three of us full-time on YouTube, one of us full-time on TikTok. We publish a YouTube video every other week and... Um, some of those are are like banked episodes of our board game show, so they're not scripted mm-hmm. content. Um, and that's pretty much like I, I think there are probably instances where we might have, you know, a, a, another video ready that could go up the next week. But that's really not often the case. And it, it would be very stressful to make that the case uh, for all of us working there. So uh, with TikTok, totally different creature. Totally, totally different and we have different just everything is different there um it's much much easier and there's a lot of uh, solutions for that platform that you can pull from just to like fill that block like right. any any twitch clip any recut of a funny twitch moment can be a tiktok <laughs> and you can say all right the, our scripted content isn't ready for today what do we have let's move move a twitch clip up and just take an extra take the extra time um so yeah anyway they're very different from this situation. Before we move on, yeah. what were the parts of Steve's uh, critique that you didn't think were were fair or valid or just didn't strike you as um, uh, being noteworthy? Well, I thought that he was really pedantic about certain stuff with some of like the, the testament stuff. And look, I don't disagree that it's sloppy and that it's bad, but I think that being nitpicky to that level, like glass houses, right? Like Gamers Nexus is, I'm sure 
had to make corrections before too. Now they typically are very good because Steve is anal retentive and I, which I really like about him and I really appreciate about him. And I, I like his videos a lot. Um, but I, I think that that was, I think that focusing so much on every single potential inaccuracy of it, every, you know, sort of thing that they've been doing, which to me did feel a little bit like we felt insulted because um, you implied that our testing is not real testing, um, which, you know, look, fair game. Like if Linus Media Group came out and said, we're going to be putting millions of dollars into building our labs and we're going to be having a much better, you know, testing procedure than any other YouTube channel. And that's probably true. Uh, I would also say, you know, in the old days, you know, like PC, you know, ours, um, uh, not ours Technica, um, um, uh, Anontech uh, had a really amazing uh, bench, so much so that two of the people who built Anontech work at Apple now on Apple Silicon, including Anand himself. Um, you know, uh, their uh, PC Magazine had a massive lab for years and years and years. It's not as if this is a brand new concept, but, um, uh, you know, uh, building labs. But I think that he felt slighted about that stuff. And I just thought that he got too pedantic into into the weeds on stuff that doesn't matter. The real thing that matters was like the the, the billet labs thing, and and you know to a, to a lesser extent the, the the mouse controversy. But I mean, I think that the yeah. if, mm-hmm. if you just focus on the labs thing alone, that would have been enough. I just I feel like focusing on every single time they ever have made an incorrect statement in a video. If you're going to do that game, there's a lot of people who are going to not meet your your standards. I, I guess I, I hear what you're saying. I feel like the re it it doesn't ring true to me just because um I, I don't think he was being pedantic. I think if you watch the videos going through and talking about how he just picked up uh you know random videos and then compared like Linus's own data to their own data later. It was looking at how much it was like fluctuating here and there. Um, right. You know, he reached out to people and said, like tried to get information on some of the processes or if it was fair. I think the most substantive stuff that he brought up were the, the conflict of interest, right? Like LMG does have some very uh, close ties to ASUS. And to me, um, I have to tell you the 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 impression I got away from this is just how much integrity it took for him to make that video. It is so much easier in a professional setting to just shut up and go along to get along. Like with my current job, I have to be so selective about what I say publicly when there's a new streamer drama every four seconds, right? Um, so like going up against your own and inviting the wrath of the the, the LTT community, I, I I was really impressed with that. So it didn't, I was too. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, I look, I was too. And I, I think Steve is great. I really like the work that he does. I just think, I mean, even in that stuff, that some of it was conjecture. Again, I think that I'm not like, going to make any statements. What was conjecture? Well, it is conjecture for him to say, to imply, you know, that they are going easier on a company because of a business relationship. He doesn't have proof of that. He doesn't. He I can, don't think he, can he imply said that. that. I think he no, said, he didn't say, well, that's, raised, that's why I said well, that's why I said the question. Yeah. Well, that's why I said it's conjecture. And you asked me what was conjecture. And I said, that's conjecture. Like, that's not a fact. But alluding to that, even like drawing, bringing those things up, I mean, you can do that to be very clear. A lot of other channels that are not Linus Media Group a lot of other tech YouTubers, in fact, most of them are way, way, way more in the pocket of companies that send them review units, 
give them access to things. Um, I, I think that Steve has really good integrity, and, and I think that by and large, he is not among them. But I would say this right now. Every single YouTuber who goes to things um, in, uh, like, 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 like in Asia when they go to the uh, um, uh, Computex and whatnot, if they're being paid by a company to bring them there, then they are compromised if that's, if that's the thing you're going to go on. So if Steve has ever been paid to go on a trip by a company, if he's ever taken money to do that, then he's compromised the same way that Linus Media Group is. Um, I'm being being completely candid, and that that's going to be mean most YouTubers. And I don't know if he has or hasn't. I know in the past he's taken brand trips. I don't know if he still does. So I'm just saying, like, I think those are things to look at, but it's still conjecture whether or not, you know, they're on the... T- I think the implication that because they have a strong relationship with one company means they're going to go easier on them editorially. I don't know if that's true or not. It, it might be true, but it might not be true. And I'm, I'm just not willing to yeah. make that assessment. I. I, I don't want to be pedantic with you at all here, so please, please don't interpret this this way. What I recall, and like maybe I'll go back and just double check his wording after this. The way that I recall him saying this, it was more like I don't think he made any allegations one way or the other. I think he was talking about like this raises questions in the audience's mind, which I think is a very fair, neutral statement. I thought he was really, really careful with this wording, which is why I found it powerful, personally. I'll take the middle ground and say, like, I don't disagree that he was careful with his wording. But if you're, quote unquote, just asking questions, yes, the questions come point. with editorial intent. Exactly. And I think he's a competitor and a YouTube competitor. So I think that there's... There are no neutral, necessarily, statements there. Mm. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh, pre-proportioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Fall is right around the corner. And HelloFresh is here to help you plan for the busy season ahead with tasty, delicious, delicious, dishes that are delicious, tasty, delicious dishes delivered right to your door. I know how to read. Simply (laughs) choose your recipes and pick your delivery date, then lay back and enjoy the last days of summer. Don't make me cry knowing dinner is covered. This fall, you've probably got places to be. I don't know if you're it's school, maybe it's for either you or your children. Maybe it's work. Maybe it's election season. Standing in the checkout line is not one of the places that you need to be. You can leave the meal planning and grocery shopping to HelloFresh. With pre-proportioned ingredients and easy step-by-step recipes delivered to your door, you'll save so much time and cut out the hassle. Brianna, before this show, you told me that you yourself cooked with your own hands a HelloFresh meal Today, uh, I did. Even. I did. It was Tell me a, about it. It was an absolutely delicious, buttery, very rich uh, pasta with chicken in it. Um, you know, it had fresh Parmesan inside of it. I love HelloFresh. I uh, cook three, four, five meals with it a week. Great stuff. Uh, delicious. I very much enjoyed the last meal that I had from them. I I think I was saying even last week on the show, the ground beef. No, I think I was saying this to somebody personal in my life. Uh, One of the recipes that I got was for like a ground beef enchilada casserole. And the beef that they sent me was so good. Mm -hmm. Y'all, it was (laughs) – I was upset. 
upset when I was cooking it. I was like, I don't even know where I can go to find beef this nice. I don't know where. (laughs) Um, It was really, really, really delicious. So if you are interested in that, go to HelloFresh.com slash Rocket50 and use code Rocket50 for 50% off plus free shipping. That is Rocket50, the numbers. All lowercase letters, H E L L O F R E S H dot com slash rocket five zero. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Go right now to HelloFresh.com slash rocket fifty. Use rocket fifty for fifty percent off plus free shipping. Our thanks to HelloFresh for their support of this show and relay FM. I really love them. They they truly the the whole secret to HelloFresh versus their competitors is the ingredient quality. It's just the best, period. Uh so that's why everything is so good. The freaking breaded chicken that I had from them was also really delicious. I'm trying to remember what the vegetable was. There were green beans that were really good, and then there was something else. It was I think it was like a beautiful potato. I have terrible news. The IMAC is turning twenty-five. Oh my god, that means we're so old. I it hate debuted this so much. in 1998. <laughs> I hate this so much. I hate this so much. So sorry, everyone. This might be a hard topic to listen to, especially if you uh, are a 90s kid or or more. Yeah, 90s plus. Uh, the original iMac. Uh, Born in 1998, shipped in blue, of course, before debuting several other colors, was a profitable win for Apple. It also marked an Apple design trend that we see continuing to this day, not including a port that everyone thought was important and then learned to live without. It shipped without a 3.5-inch floppy disk drive. It was also one of the first home computers to standardize USB. In 2002, this iconic, round, transparent machine was replaced but the by flat the best, machine. By the and best design of all time. Truly. Best design of all time. And Apple never looked back. The latest iMac is the 2021 M1 model that's 24 inches compared to the original 15 inches. But like its older sibling, it lacks a bunch of ports that everyone thought they needed. Uh, but it's still a fantastic machine. But the iMac faces more competition than ever from Apple's own laptops. And sort of, although much less, the Mac. Mostly the laptops. Let's be real. Let's talk about some of our favorite iMac memories and iMac models and the history of this historic home computer. The reason the iMac, I think, gets legendary status is you've got to understand when it came out, it was a very different era of computing. Right. Like people like Christina and I, we were very comfortable with you know, configuring modems and IRQs and, you know, all of this stuff. It really was a device that you could go out to Sam's Club and buy and bring home and plug into the wall. And Apple software would just walk you through getting online. So, you know, for a lot of people, that first iMac was, it wasn't just their gateway to Apple. It was their gateway to the entire internet, um, which is why it's so incredibly beloved. Um, You know, the colors it came in, just to this day, like I look at that Bondi blue and it just, it, it sparks something inside of me. So really the story of the iMac is the story of non-nerds uh, finding their way on the internet. Yeah, that, I, think, I, think you, I think you nailed it. Go on, Simone. 
Oh, I was just going to say, that's one of my, like, first memories of it, uh, of that, uh, like, original, not, oh, it would not be the original one at that point. It might have been, though, when I was in high school and, like, we had to do computer lab stuff. And I don't remember doing any actual computer lab work, but I do remember watching the trailer for Watchmen on that huh. machine I assume that this was before <laughs> they really uh, clamped down on, like, blocking websites in school computer labs. But, uh, like, using the, 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 using the Mac OS, being annoyed, because at that point I was a Windows person and I was like, this is crap. Uh, and then watching the Watchmen trailer going online, uh, as you said, Brie, fond memory. Yeah. Um, I, I remember how, uh, how upset everyone was that it didn't have a floppy drive. Like yes. that was like the most that, like there were so many hand wringing things about it. I think like people like John C. Dvorak, you know, like spilled, you know, so much ink, uh, both a uh, digital and real, uh, in those days, um, about the lack of a floppy drive, which, you know, to me, I was never bothered by that. What did bother me was like, I was like, okay, I get that there's not a floppy drive. But there's not any, like, you know, recordable media at all. Um, it didn't have a CDRW drive. They were like, oh, you can just buy a zip drive as an add-on. <laughs> it's like, okay, that's, that, okay, you're complicating things. Like, I feel like, and obviously it was a first-gen product, so that's what Apple does. But I feel like even back then it would have been good if, you know, they'd been, it really would have been groundbreaking if it had a, a CD recorder as well as um, a, a CD reader in it. But, like, that was, I think, maybe one of the first times that Apple took something that was very common and kind of stayed for all of us, even if we knew that it was kind of, you know, on the way out, sort of becoming obsolete, and then just took it away. And then the rest of the industry followed. USB is another one. Um, USB, uh, other computers had USB before the, the iMac, but the iMac, you know, that made it, that was one of its central features. Um, and um, having, you know, the modem on it, and then later, like, the Ethernet jack, like, right there, so you could just plug it in. I mean, just a delightful machine. My favorite iMac will always be the the, the G4 iMac. I put um, a, I, I cluttered up our show notes, Simone, with photos of it because you it is my have. beautiful. It is the most beautiful computer ever. Um, I, I think that that is, in my opinion, still like the perfect design of a computer. Like I, I don't think that there's a better designed computer than the G4 iMac, which is the one that's. Um, the flat screen that's on, on like, it looks like it's on a lamp that has, like, the, the bulbous base. Like, that, to me, if they sold that now, it's, like, a retro throwback. They could sell me that for $5,000 with, like, an M1 um, or M2 or whatever inside of it, and I'd be, like, behind it 100%. You're like, oh, it's such an imposition. I guess I would buy it if they sold it for $1,000 with an M1. Everyone would buy it. Everyone would be like, oh my god, you're giving me the old form factor with an M1 chip? <laughs> Hand it over. No, I said 5000 I would pay $5,000. Uh, didn't I say 5000 That's what I said. I, I said 5000 too. I would pay like, like um, you know, like 20th anniversary Macintosh prices for it. What number um, did I say? Because I meant oh, I to say 5000 Okay, sorry. Okay, sorry. So, I, I, I mean, I, this is where I find myself really, really confused because when I went to the, the Apple store a while back, 
Like, I understand that the MacBook has eaten the entire world, right? And I I get that most people want a notebook nowadays if they want a Mac at all, because so many people just use their iOS device or their Mm. their mobile phone. But at the same time, I mean, don't y'all kind of feel like the Mac has fallen behind? I mean, Apple has not made a 27-inch iMac in a really long time, which is a really great form factor. I love the colors that they brought out to the the smaller iMac. Those were gorgeous, right? And I really think if they invested in an iMac again, I, I don't know. I just, I feel like this is such a part of Apple that when I can't go to the Apple store and get like a really cute iMac uh, in a big color and a giant screen. I just, I wish they were all in on this, right? Me too. Me too. I um, I bought the very last iMac, uh, Intel iMac rather, oh. the 27 inch. I bought that three years ago. And actually like, I think today is its three year anniversary as we're recording this. Oh, and I know this because I need to, re- I need to renew the Apple care. Um, and cause I'm still using that machine because it's still a very good machine. But yeah, I'm very sad that as much as I love the the pink, um, you know, M1 iMac, the 21 and a half inch, is not powerful enough. It's not something that I could use as like a, a full on like replacement computer. Whereas, you know, for a lot of people before like the the Mac Studio and, and other things kind of, you know, maybe fit its place, like that was a really good way of getting an all-in-one very powerful computer if you didn't have Mac Pro money or Mac Pro needs. And and the screens were always great. I would I would buy the hell like if they came up with a 32 inch like 6K you know iMac with you know an M3 whatever next year like I would buy the hell out of that again like I, yeah. I would be all over it. I ho- I hope they do. I hope they don't get rid of that form factor because I I know that laptops are, are better. And I'm saying this as I'm recording this on a 16 inch um, M1 um, Pro, but me I, too. <laughs> but. But I love an iMac. I love the iMac. I just, I do. I love it. Before we move on, Brie, what's your favorite model? I mean, it's got to be the OG, right? Yeah. It was just so iconic um, in Bondi Blue. I know it's unoriginal. Yeah. I, my favorite one is my iMac Pro that I bought, my big monster oh, yeah. beast with 24 yes. core. Uh, you know, that is my backup production machine. Have no regrets buying that whatsoever. It's the swan song of the 27 inch iMac, and I love it. Nice. Well, let's move on to today's dessert. I think it'll be a spicy one. In the year of our Lord, 2023, we have all been victimized by printers. Printer corporations have grown greedy to a degree that is truly impressive and stunning, introducing such concept as ink cartridge DRM and won't print in black and white, even if the only thing you're missing is cyan and region locked ink cartridges and firmware that you can never deactivate that will prevent you from ever using third party cartridges and can't scan documents if you're low on ink, even though scanning doesn't use ink. It's amazing. That's illegal. Well, Funny that you should bring that up. I know. So last year, our hopes were raised when Canon was sued for the scanning thing. Unfortunately, that lawsuit has been dismissed and our hopes dashed to the rocks below. But now HP is facing a similar class action lawsuit and the judge has refused to dismiss it, which means we may see at the very least, I guess not to your point, 
illegality of this terrible practice. However, we could just see HP have to pay out the nose for doing this stupid, stupid thing. So prayer circle, circle up, circle up. We need to let's talk about this. How excited are you for HP's class action lawsuit? (laughs) Isn't it funny that in the middle of like the most... Like, we have a lot of problems in tech, y'all. And the people that are getting sued for malfeasance is, like, the the printer companies. <laughs> like, They've escaped know? justice for too long. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. time to bring them I, down. I fully support it. This lawsuit is dead on. They have no justification. I hope they pay through the nose, but it's just, like, like, just look around. Like, there's a story today I didn't even pitch about people using chat GPT, GP, uh, chat GPT to figure out which books to ban. And I read that too. Like, I looked at I that, that and I was like, I cannot, no, I cannot deal with this. <laughs> so it's like the whole field. It's like ethical problems galore. Uh, but one thing maybe will go right. Um, and that could be the printers. So I think with the, so they were in the Canon case, Canon, I think, didn't even have to, like, reveal documents about whether or not it knew that that its printers wouldn't scan if they were low on ink, which, like, obviously they freaking know. Um, with HP, I think I, I think it's HP who has said, like, don't listen to our customer service reps, even though they say that they know it's a problem and that they they can't do anything about it. We don't know about it. We don't know that this is a problem. So it's just like, it's so silly. And the, the, the penny pinching that goes on in the, the printer world is, uh, it, it boggles the mind. I hope that justice is done. Yeah, I do too. Like my, I, I don't print much. Um, and when I do need to historically, I've been lucky the last few years, like I could just do it at Microsoft. Um, I guess now I could do it at the GitHub offices. I don't know, but like my but my parents do. My dad prints a lot of things for a lot of different reasons, and he likes HP printers. But I've gotten to the point I'm like, just buy the brother, you know, all on one that yep. everybody gets the, the brother yeah. laser printer. Like I think that the Verge might have even written an article that said that like just buy the brother laser printer because the the things that HP in in Canon and all of them are doing with the the ink shenanigans is insane. I mean, to me, it's just, it should actually be like, look, if you want to yeah. make people use your proprietary ink and all that stuff, I, I can get behind that a little bit. I mean, I I'm, I don't support it, but I can sort of see the argument. I cannot see the argument in any um, way, shape, or form that says, because one of the colors of your ink is depleted, you can't scan or copy something. Like, yeah. that's some <laughs> Like, that's some I would like to uh, direct everyone uh, to The Verge, actually, not just for the uh, Brother Laser Printer review, which, as you said, Neil, I wrote, recommended it, uh, specifically for the Nathan Edwards story that I have put in the show notes about uh, how his printer was region locked. He bought a printer in Europe, moved to the U.S. and thought, surely I can purchase the ink from my printer creator and put that ink in my printer and then went through uh, what is an incredibly funny and well-written saga of like being on support calls uh, with the print with HP and like being determined to get the region lock removed from the printer because it like it became like an obsession with him of like no I could go out and buy a new printer no right we are going to solve 
this problem. God bless him. Yeah, it's really funny. It's called uh, How to Change the Region on an HP Office Jet Printer in 57 Easy Steps. Uh, and it's in the show notes if you want to read it. All right. Christina, what are you up to this week? I am avoiding the heat by um, staying in a hotel. And um, that's about it. Nice. Brianna, what about you? I am uh, preparing to cover the Republican debate, which happens on uh, the 23rd. Um, gosh, I I hadn't thought about making an announcement on this week's show, but uh, I'm going to do this. Uh, you know, CNN um, recently, uh, two days ago, uh, announced uh, a corporate restructuring uh, where they're going to move back into streaming, which is really wow. funny after the uh, destruction yeah, CNN of their right, yep. CNN Plus, uh, because people aren't watching cable news anymore. Um, the the kind of part of the Twitch community I'm in over on Twitch Paul, which covers politics, uh, they're doing great. Right, a lot of people tune in to do Twitch politics. So uh, I am teaming up with uh, one of my favorite people over there, Counterpoints, who is a Republican, uh, but he's a smart Republican, and we can uh, disagree on things uh, productively. We're going to do a bunch of uh, 2024 coverage. So uh, that's what I'm working on right now, getting ready to launch that show. Exciting. Uh, I will be just continuing to work on my video that should come out in a couple weeks. Uh, and then tomorrow over at Polygon, we're streaming Baldur's Gate 3. Ooh, which, nice. okay, did you know I try, it's my tradition to try to make Hemingway in as many games as I can. I tried to make Hemingway in Baldur's Gate 3. There's no mustaches. Y'all, it's very hard to make Hemingway without a mustache. I know he didn't have one for his, much of his young life. But by age like 25, this man had a freaking mustache and he doesn't look like himself if he doesn't have it. Um, I was able to customize his penis. I, it was a hard decision. Um, oh Haste. No, I didn't mean to. Anyway, so that's we'll be playing Baldur's Gate tomorrow. Have fun. Um, thanks for listening to this show, that's everybody. the most roundabout way to talk about yeah. Baldur's Gate. I've, I don't even know. What just happened? Like my my, I left my body for like thirty <laughs> seconds there. Was it a roundabout way to talk about Baldur's Gate, or was it a roundabout way to talk about Hemingway's penis? We don't know. I mean, I, it, it's great, and I love that. That's how you brought up that that glitch, and it, it's I'm, not a glitch. They just don't have mustaches in the character creator. That's amazing. It's there are so many tattoos and like face paints and scars and freckles, kinds of freckles, no facial hair that I could find. That's bizarre. What, what Am is I wrong the Baldur's Gate? Does anyone know what the Baldur's Gate is? I, I, it's a bad title for an RPG, I feel, which is why I've never played one. Uh, but everyone's talking so much about this. I've got to. It's I've a D and D thing, so it's like an old D and D setting uh, that's been. Around my the Avernus campaign that I am playing is actually in set in Baldur's Gate, so it's like a, a region of uh, I forget the name of the continent, um, Forgotten. The it's like part of Forgotten Realms, I think. Yeah. So, the, but that I don't know much more about, and I'm sure if I were to know things about lore, it would probably take me an hour to explain it, and I don't, I don't know. So we simply. We'll have to leave you there, listener. If you want to hear us talk about some real intense lore, the lore of Carly Kloss and Taylor Swift, you yes. should become 
a booster subscriber, you should go to relay.fm slash membership and learn how you can support this show directly and any other relay shows that you would like to support. You get an ad free episode and you get a bonus segment every week. And ours are usually absolutely unhinged. And this will be no different. Thank you for listening to this episode of Rocket. We'll be back next week with more news. This episode is terminated. Terminated. <laughs>